0: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Nicoletta, and I'm a marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And I'm Simone Nicoletta's
1: friend, fellow slut, and also a scholar as a law student at NYU. And this week, we're asking ourselves, what if you accepted yourself just as you are and treated your body with kindness? Today, we're lucky to be joined by Rebecca Scritchfield, who is an award winning health at every size dietitian and exercise physiologist. She's the author of the book, Body Kindness Transform Your Health from the Inside Out and Never Say Diet Again. And she also has her own podcast, Body Kindness. She has a free anti-diet get started course at bodykindnessbook.com slash start. And she provides private counseling, virtual support groups, workshops, e-courses, and more. She's an expert. She's wonderful. She's amazing. She's brilliant. And she's fucking here with us. Woohoo! <laughs> Hi.
0: Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is so exciting. I was already telling Rebecca before we officially started the pod, but I just want to say it again for our listeners. Um, I've been uh, giving Body Kindness as a book recommendation to clients of mine for a long time, so I'm super excited and honored to be able to have her on the show with us today. Um, I really liked the book myself because I was struggling to find a book that kind of made sense to clients about how they could be kind to themselves and embrace like fitness Um, It was like either or. Either you had to be body positive um, in a certain way and like not do any fitness stuff or you had to be really mean to yourself to motivate yourself to be thinner. Um, So it was like nothing in the medium. And I feel like body kindness like really, really does that.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. It was one of the reasons when I was sitting down to write, like why did I even want to go through the sometimes torture that is writing your own book um, was that I saw this huge gap between the mindset of, well, but this is what I do to be healthy. And it's all these things where we're body bashing ourselves and giving ourselves food rules and exercise rules. And I was like, you know, this is is not actually fun. Um, and I, I'm, I am never satisfied no matter what I do. And if I wanted to offer people something else, they there was this kind of gap between, well, I'm sick of all this diet stuff, and so just to kind of rebel, like let that pendulum swing in the other direction, a lot of people do feel like they need a complete break from any conversations around you know healthy eating or you know sustainable exercise um. But then it's like they come on the way back and it's they want to know, well what do I do if I am not going to diet but I don't want to have to trade in, you know, my my interest in exercise or my concern for my health. Like I still want to pursue better health, but I don't even know what that means if it's not pursuing weight loss. And so that's what I wanted to answer for people.
1: Um Simone, have you ever done a diet? Oh my gosh. Um I actually tried, like, really, this is, like, going to sound so fucked up, I know, and obviously I'm not endorsing eating disorders. I, like, tried for, like, a month to be anorexic in <laughs> 10th grade. Um, it was, I, like, just severely restricted cal- calories, and I, like, actually lost a lot of weight, but it was absolutely impossible to maintain. I don't have the, um, the discipline or the disease, so that did not what work What made for you
0: want to try that? Like, what made that seem interesting? Um...
1: I kind of—my family has often commented on my appearance like I am, like, like I guess the chunky one in the family. Um, and so everyone, like my parents and my grandparents, have kind of always been like, are you sure you want to eat that? I've always had a voracious appetite. Um, in France, we call it gourmand because there's, like, a difference between, like, glutton and just, like, liking to eat in French, which I appreciate, but— um, so I've always just like enjoyed food and always wanted to eat everything. Um, and so I guess, yeah, I was just kind of always told that I should be careful about my weight and all of this, but it didn't really fuck me up that much. Like I don't own a scale. I f- just pay attention to how healthy and happy I feel. And um that kind of came out sort of organically. So it didn't really fuck me up. I never was like put on a diet as a child or as so, a teenager or mid twenties.
0: What about you? So I, I never really did an official diet, often because I found that I like couldn't stick to it. It would be like a week I would try something and it would never stay. Um, so I'm curious, Rebecca, like what were your experience with diets and what made you feel like they don't work?
2: Oh, well, I track my first diet to around nine years old. Um, and my classmate, it kind of started with my classmate and I, we came up with this plan about, um, you know, the, we just came up with a number, um, and said, let's try to weigh that. And I remember Nine like I Nine years old?
0: Nine yeah. years old though? That seems yeah. so young.
2: Well, yeah. So I think the stat is that by 10, um, most kids have tried their first diet, what? Um and yeah. And then by fifth by 15 years old, 85% of 15 year olds say they hate their bodies. Wow. Oh my God. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my God.
2: And shit starts early, well, you girls. Had,
0: <laughs> wow. So you you started your first idea of it at nine and like had mm-hmm. a, a weight goal. What happened? Yeah. It didn't really last
2: very long. I um What was interesting about all the different was interesting about me and my body and all the different times that I tried to lose weight. Just even growing up, um, was that I didn't really lose a lot of weight. Um, And I, it's good. It's very life saving that my body did that. It responded more in lowering my metabolism or just kind of you know, making me cranky. And then my friend would come over and be like, let's get Burger King. And then we get Burger King. So it's like restrict, restrict, restrict. And then boom, I'd finally eat Mm -hmm. a meal. Um, So that might be part of it. It, But what was really interesting and also kind of really messed up at the same time is that I'd get congratulated for my behaviors. Like, oh, I had so much self-control at the family picnic cookie table or whatever. And discipline. You know, and so it was kind of like, idolize, you know, like, I wish I had your self-control and I wish, you know, and, but in the end, I was like alone with my thoughts. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if they knew that I only had one 50 calorie high C to drink so far today, they probably wouldn't, you know, be saying these positive things. And it also kind of made me feel more attached to the behaviors. Like, well, you can't let go of them now because you're getting these accolades.
0: Yeah, and people only seem wow. to respond when like it's a thinner accolade. Like I know people have, when they've never said like, oh, it looks like you've really like plumped out and gotten curvier. Like it looks great. I've never mm-hmm. gotten that compliment. I've only gotten a really, compliment. I've definitely said that comment to people. Really? Well, you are one I'm of like, kind.
1: Oh, well, I know, but it also that's also fucked up. Like, it's also—it's more just, like—it was more, like, like my best friend, like, basically hit puberty in, like, college, right? And then went on hormonal birth control, so she, like, got tits, like, in her early 20s. And I was like, oh, my God. And she—like, but it's still about, like, adhering to a standard of beauty. It's mm-hmm. still fucked up. I yeah. think—I I don't know. I'm, like, pretty against— Body talk, like when I like when I think about talking about someone's body, when I notice them and I like think they look skinnier, I always try to catch myself and instead of saying "Oh my god, you look so great" or "You look so thin," I say "You look so strong," "You look so healthy." I like to say things like that, but even then, it's still body talk.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I don't know how do you feel about that?
2: I mean, I you know here here's the thing. I think that we we all live in a diet and beauty culture, and we. We have to figure out how to move forward in the culture where we live while we work to change it. Um, so for example, if 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 you think that in order to embrace body kindness that, you know, you can never have broccoli again, right? You know, then that that's actually not what it means. You know, it means that like your worthiness isn't attached to how many vegetables you eat and that healthy eating patterns are, are very flexible, right? You you might have a meal where you don't even think about veggies and that doesn't mean that you hate healthy eating or you're rebelling. It just means that you didn't want veggies at that meal. So my mm-hmm. point of it being that we, um, we have to participate in the culture in which we live and that might mean that we do things that are conforming. Whether it's you realize you make a body comment, it might be, radical because you're showing a preference for curves right um but you know just when when we talk about well there's a certain shape that that is allowed to exist preferred. that is just outside the margins of the thin ideal so you're you are still conforming um but mm-hmm. i think it's also very unrealistic that we are never going to do a diet culture thing again really we're where I think our minds need to go is kind of starting with some acceptance and compassion. Like I'm a human. That means I'm going to make mistakes. I've got to figure out this whole body kindness thing anyway. And I might notice like, Ooh, I did this and I participated in diet culture and you know what? That's okay. But here's the next choice that I can make that I think is more in line with my values that I think is actually compassionate and very kind and caring. And as we work on changing our own worldviews and our ways of living and being and thinking in the world, now we're in a better place where we can actually really get vocal or even like angry and like really take meaningful action that can help to shift our culture for the future generation. this is like a a long game, a lifelong commitment. It's not like, okay, I'm going to snap my fingers and day one, I'm in diet culture and day two, I'm in body positivity land. Like, no, we are all still in diet and beauty culture. We have to figure out how to create our own better lives while this culture sucks and while we blame the culture. And the further along we get in our own set of values, the more energy and strength and and commitment we have to kind of give to shifting the culture to begin with.
1: So what's the definition of diet and beauty culture?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, diet culture, to me, it is, it is anything that's out there that's saying, if you do this, you're going to lose weight. So anything mm. we would think of as traditional diets, but, you know, these days, there's a lot, you know, um, there's like this wolf in sheep's clothing, right? Like this is a healthy lifestyle. Like something like Whole30 to me is the example, right? Um, They will literally say, this is not a diet. This is a challenge. And if you can't hack it in this challenge and there's something wrong with you. And they literally say, every bite of food either adds to your health or takes away from it. Like to that granular level of bites of food. And- it will say things like, this is not a diet to make you lose weight, but when you change your eating on Whole30, your body has to lose weight. It just has to. So it's this very twisted, it's a lifestyle, but then it still sells this message of, you aren't good enough as you are, so follow and Mm -hmm. pay for my plan, and then you'll get these magical results, and if you don't get them, you're to blame. You quit, you didn't hack it, something, and so it's a diet in disguise. It's just like trend wise, nobody wants to diet anymore. Like nobody's doing slim fast. I mean, even Weight Watchers had to change their name to WW, and now they have Kate Hudson as their spokesperson because I know, which is like ridiculous. Yeah, don't even get me started. Don't even. I mean, long story short, on well, that. Go one, ahead, that get started if you fest. want, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> well, just here's the bottom line: like she's getting paid money, number one like she really needs it. The whole thing is upholding diet culture and this kind of playing into, you know, oh, you can eat bread on Weight Watchers. Oprah, I love bread. But with the Kate Hudson thing, she just had a baby. She has a two-month hold. You know, we know that she is genetically, naturally thin. We know who her parents are. We know how her body usually takes up space. So from a mathematical, the way human being bodies work anyway, her body for the next year would naturally be letting go of weight on its plan and schedule just based off of what happens postpartum. So she could literally be rolling through In-N-Out Burger and eating hamburgers and fries and milkshakes and she would still lose weight the Kate Hudson way because of her genetic path through breastfeeding and postpartum healing or whatever her choices are. I am sure she's going to be exercising... And Weight Watchers, WW, is going to get all the credit because there are certain things that she agreed in a contract to do. But they're going to get stats. Look at Kate Hudson's before and after body or look at Kate Hudson's numbers. And she did this through lifestyle. And for my kids, Oprah, there's like a a Facebook Live video. I'm doing it for my kids. And it is just, it is so nauseating to me just because I know women are going to be harmed from this. And it it, it literally Mm -hmm. makes me angry. And it makes me angry because there are millions of women who their postpartum experience isn't going to be Kate's through genetics, through financial disparities, from differences in their geography, you know, and they're going to compare and despair. Something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. You know, I failed this and that. You know, and, and and WW is one of the most flexible things out there, but it's listed as a technology company. It's a publicly traded business. that's a tech company. They don't care about your health and well-being. They want to take money yeah. away from you the same way cigarette companies want you to be addicted to smoking. Diet companies want you to be addicted to diets. And when diets are out of um, fashion, they'll change the name. Well, this is lifestyle. This is healthy living, you know, this is wellness. I, I I don't even like the word wellness. The one word I'll still give love to is well-being because well-being does encompass mental and physical concern for health. And there is yeah. nothing wrong with being concerned about your health. There's nothing even wrong with being concerned about your weight. Like it makes sense that people have a weight concern because of our crappy diet culture. So, okay, back to my definition, right? So anything that promises (laughs) you weight loss as a result. So now you're kind of getting that big picture, right? Like anything that says do this and you'll lose weight and you'll get healthier and happier. When you, when people do manage to lose weight and keep it off, it's a very small percent of the population. It's not likely to be great Mm -hmm. numbers of pounds or anything. It's a few percentage body fat percent, you know, a little bit of percent of your body weight. It's not much, but when what people are actually getting the most of is freedom from weight stigma so they're getting they're getting treated better the door is being held open for them the people are making eye contact with them on the street they're not body you know they're not being body shamed and so what they're actually getting is acceptance from society and culture and so that's the bullshit of it what we don't blame individuals for wanting that you know who doesn't want freedom from oppression? Who doesn't
0: want that, yeah.
2: Exactly. And so that's why we have to point swords at the culture. You're the problem, not me. You know, yeah, I might want a break from alcohol, you know, because I'm using it a little too much to manage my emotions. Or yeah, I really want to exercise again. Like
0: those are honorable, valuable goals, right? It's so just what's that- So what's the alternative here? Like if diet's- are bringing all of this up? What what does that well being look like, and that body mm. kindness? Like, what's the alternative?
2: Well, I mean, I think first that there is an understanding that that it's a commitment to giving yourself what you need to change. Um, mm. So there's three like pillars to body kindness: um, love, connect, and care. And so, love is mm. about making choices from a place of love. So that's no matter where you're at right now, you know what, I'm going to go to bed on time so I'm not so tired during the day. Even though you're going to be curtailing some social engagement, you know, late night, weeknight partying maybe, or maybe you're not going to watch that Netflix series all in one night because you're going to go to bed early, right, right? That would be an example of making a choice from a place of love. like you, it's 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 not always doing exactly what you want to do in the moment, but it's doing what tomorrow's version you might thank you for. You know, I'm not going to drink during the hmm. week this week because I think I'm drinking too much, right? it's It's personally meaningful, but you're you're gonna make that choice from a place of love. And then connect is about connecting to your body, like listening. It could be eating when you're hungry and noticing if you're. If you're bored or you're stressed or lonely and wanting so to, so mindfulness being like yeah, like a lot of connection, yeah, mindfulness to your body, and then the the care is the third pillar, and that's being fully committed to taking care of yourself, and that's kind of where you when you talk about the alternative, it's like knowing that this is a full commitment to enhancing your own well being. It means you call the shots, you get to figure this out, you know, but you have to draw a firm line and say, I am not going to follow an external diet plan. Like I got a lot of shit to figure out. I will be patient with myself, right? And that's essentially what the book does is it takes you through all of that. So it, it gives you a structure, like this is where the science is and this is some advice, you know, um, but you actually get to decide and you actually get to set goals. And I even take readers through, here's how to set meaningful goals that, that are... That are workable, as opposed to just if you follow this twelve-week plan, all your, you know, dreams will come true and all your problems will be. Yes,
0: solved. it's actually a lot of work to to figure this stuff out. I mean, speaking of of meaningful goals, um, we mm-hmm. are just when this episode is out, it will be it will be twenty nineteen, the new year, mm-hmm. and something mm-hmm. that Y'all I'm bitches really will have started your fucking gym memberships and <laughs> diet. Exactly, and Stop something it. I am not a fan of is New Year's resolutions. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, what I hate them. Okay, so i I don't like them because I feel like it doesn't set um usually people set goals that are like unattainable and set themselves up for failure. Um, like you were saying, setting those goals that are maybe like too big or too asking too much of yourself or not kind or not checking in with what you actually need. And so it's easy to maybe get excited about them, but then do too much and fail and then get down on yourself um. I wonder what we can tell our listeners of like the alternative of New Year's resolutions. because I And I don't like that it's like around a specific date. Like you do this mm-hmm. when you're ready to do it, not because it's January 1st.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's how I feel about Christmas and giving gifts to people. Just throwing that out there.
2: My mother-in-law pers- participated on the consumerism rebellion or something. <laughs> we didn't get jack this year. That's the bottom line. Love it.
1: My <laughs> Me too. most happy thing is that I don't do Christmas, so I don't have to buy anything. Um, yeah. But to resolutions, I think a good way to think about it is you know just based on the three pillars that you just talked about: love, connect, and fuck. What's the third? Care. <laughs> care. Oh, I thought it was care, but I was like, no, I said connect already. Um, I think if thinking if your resolution comes from a place of that, that's like probably a good way to evaluate if it makes sense. And then I think it's also about like what about this external. You know, Gregorian calendar shift makes it a good time to do as opposed to just like, do you like, you should love yourself enough all the time, not just the beginning of the year. You should feel like you have these tools all the time, not just at the beginning of the year. I don't know. Yeah. That well, makes sense. you
2: know, to me, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that really makes sense about it, right? Like, we just hopefully had a couple weeks of completely off of work, a lot of, you know, holiday parties the month of December, you know, like we, we just kind of had a nice, yeah, lots of eating, lots of drink, drinking, hopefully holiday cookies, um, shorter days, and so fewer exercise, like, and all of that is really, really, really normal, right? Um, and, and being social and joyful yeah. and celebrating with food, that's all part of the human condition, right? It's just that there's this cultural construct that we've accepted as normal that, oh, and then in the new years, weight loss is something that we all should be thinking about. I love getting reflective, you know, on that December 31st and thinking about like, how do I want to try to make life better in the next year? And so it's, it's not about Mm -hmm. that. It's just, so knowing if you feel drawn to that, right? That, the reason why weight loss comes up is the assumption is that's just been culturally placed there, right? Like we Mm. all must care about our weight and our bodies and that it's a a badge of honor. If you say, this is the year I'm finally going to do it and get healthy and blah, 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 that it's a cultural badge of honor. Yeah, exactly. You've already earned social power just by saying it. And so it makes sense that that's the draw there. But also think biologically, if you have spent a lot of time being more social and indoors or drinking more, or just eating seasonal foods, you also might feel physically like, I want to get in my kitchen and cook more. I feel like eating healthier. I really do want to hit the gym more regularly. And so that mm-hmm. what y- that you can actually find a nice sweet spot in there where, where it's like, you know, it makes sense that my body might be craving more movement, but there's a big difference between you know, no pain, no gain, punishing workouts or like these going to like a sort of go big or go home intense workout regimen, right? And just saying like, this is what I feel like doing. I feel like going out for a walk or I feel like going to a yoga class or I feel like, you know, getting back to this gym routine that I used to do. I feel like getting back into it. Where you can like challenge yourself to like schedule it and show up and be like, you know, at a girl, good job, you showed up, you did it. And just without it being like a pass fail, you know, or without it being too mm-hmm. intense for what your body needs. And so that's kind of like, I think my issue with the resolutions is that we feel this inner drive to kind of do something. We actually get a dopamine reward. Like we literally get a deck at like an addiction, a high-like feeling when we imagine that better body by the end of January or whatever, right? Like we we already feel rewarded by that. And so the big shift to make is say, you know what? I am gonna do these things, but I'm going to do them without setting a weight loss expectation of myself. So if I start with self, self-acceptance, I accept myself as I am right now, even if I wish my body would change because I can't get out of my head that comparison to this person or that person. Like, don't worry about those thoughts. Don't worry about these, that you might have a desire to lose weight or change your appearance. Sit with it, like let that crap be there While you say, I'm going to pivot this way. I'm going to learn to speak more kindly with myself. I'm going to set meaningful goals. I'm going to take action toward those goals. And ultimately what it does for you from like a physiology standpoint is your brain learns and grows how to be good to yourself by practicing being good to yourself. So it's kind of like you reap what you sow kind of a thing, So by letting go of the resolution mindset, you actually are more likely to create lifelong and meaningful habits because it's like you're connecting something positive without the expectation of, oh, well, this sucked because it wasn't hard or it didn't hurt. um, Or, you know, know, oh, I had a cookie, you know, the first week of January, I've already screwed this up. You know, it really kind of takes shame and judgment out of it. Can
1: I ask you a question about, like, intuitive eating and, like, honoring what you think your body wants? Sure. So I just watched that documentary, that sugar film, which is about, like, how we're all addicted to sugar and Mm -hmm. all that jazz, which is, like, fascinating and, like, the serious effects it has on our uh, bodies and health. And I haven't, like, um, sourced it or anything. I haven't, Mm -hmm. like, checked to see how right it is because I literally just watched it on the plane this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, But— I think it's also, I'm just, like, wondering, how do you reconcile, like, honoring what your body wants while also recognizing, and this is, like, part of this, like, the diet culture that we're in, I'm not part of it, but kind of parallel to the diet culture we're in is this, like, fast food, uh, refined refined and processed products Mm -hmm. culture where we actually have, like, neurological cravings. Like, Mm -hmm. like our brain and body craves these, like, really unhealthy things. And Mm -hmm. so when you're listening to yourself— Yes, I crave Taco Bell and Hot Cheetos. (laughs) Exactly. Like, there was literally a part of the documentary where they just, like, talked about pouring hot sauce as something, literally the same thing as pouring sugar on something. And I was like, oh, my God, Nicoletta puts Tapatio on everything. (laughs) It was really interesting.
0: Yes, that's so true
1: and so i'm just like wondering how do you how do you like honor what your body wants when what your body wants like maybe fucked from the get go
2: yeah so there there's a lot of kind of key things i want to say but so i'm going to try to kind of keep them brief so we can squeeze as many things in as possible so first of all like sex the, stuff yeah i know <laughs> get as much of it yeah um so Body Kindness embraces intuitive eating. Um, you know, what I want readers to do is whether they read Body Kindness first and intuitive eating second, like I purposefully, you know, like I went through intuitive eating as my detox from diet culture. I I practice intuitive eating with clients. One of the co-creators read and gave an advanced praise for Body Kindness. So wholeheartedly, part of the Body Kindness philosophy is that you learn to practice intuitive eating that has its own separate, evidence-based, hundreds of studies, intuitive eating has been linked to um, better health and well-being regardless of body mass index. Um, So I love that you're even using the words intuitive eating and asking about it. Um, The way I want to handle the question about sugar is I want to share a couple insights that most people never think about. Um, First of all, documentaries have an agenda to influence you. They are not neutral educational tools. So they make money off of playing off of your fear. That's number one. Um, Also, sugar has replaced fat as the thing that's going to kill you. That's a cultural shift that we've seen happen. Um,
1: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, like lard
0: lard used to be... You can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Rebecca, but I know that lard, um, like using fat to cook things, used to be considered like a horrible thing to do. And mm-hmm. now we know that it was like the the butter companies or the oil companies that were like essentially starting these untrue rumors to turn people away from using natural fat that was actually maybe yeah, good for them.
2: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, uh, we can make it better. And there has been ties, right, between... Uh, food companies and research and, you know, how to get approvals. I mean, you see that now with the GMO. You can get C-GMO certified free water or whatever. You know, it's things that would never be GMOs can apply to get the GMO label because that label sells. And that has all been throughout history. There's definitely food can be very political. And there's a whole realm of the associations between socioeconomic status and food access and how the most privileged people can basically afford to be food snobs, but they actually Mm -hmm. hurt the least privileged people because they don't have the dollars to conform to that, but they're still influenced by the same media and marketing that the rich people are. So there's a lot of twisted shit around food and food access and health, um, you know, like this one simple thing real quick. Like there, you know, Mediterranean, quote, diet. And I even mentioned Mediterranean and, and body kindness and kind of talk about, well, is it just the way of eating or is it also that they take two-hour lunches and that they they value social time? Um, but because it has been a way of eating that has been shown, you know, to be helpful in extending life and, you know, kind of helping to improve life, but it's not focused on cutting calories or weight loss or anything, But Mm -hmm. what was interesting is there was a study that came out that showed, yeah, it is helpful up to a certain socioeconomic status. So basically, if you were at a certain part, you know, like at a certain part at risk for poverty, doesn't matter how much freaking salmon and walnuts you eat, you're still a major health risk, likely because you have job insecurity, financial insecurity, lack of health insurance, you know, just all these other things. It's like, it's not going to be the food that you eat. Like- it's a social justice issue. Like we have to fix these social justice problems if we really care about health. So, yeah. anyway, sidebar. That's the crap they don't talk about in the documentary, you know. So there's a whole elitism mm-hmm. around it. But what I was, what I there did want to hit for you guys, for sure, to understand with respect to intuitive eating versus sugar. We're all addicted to sugar, right? Um, Deprivation, we know scientifically, deprivation leads to binge eating. And we saw it as early as the Minnesota starvation studies, and we see it repeatedly in research. So the avoiding of the sugar, right? And the that sort of militant eliminate whole 30 style, it's gonna kill you, you know, and everyone's out to get you, the food companies and the this, it's playing into the human fear that we have, right? Because we haven't evolved that much further from running from the lions and tigers, you know, we are here because we had some scared as fuck ancestors that knew how to hide, they knew how to run, and they knew how to eat a bunch of food and have a bunch of sex. And like, (laughs) we still have that in our brains, right? Oh my God, that's how a lot of us
0: live our lives.
2: (laughs) It sounds great, huh? But anyway, so it's like, it's it's playing into this fear that's like, oh, what do I gotta, you know, what do I need to do to survive? And so you go in this deprivation mode where it's, it's bad and no white stuff and, you know, whatever, right? But that deprivation, it unleashes this part of the brain that tells you, the more you say, avoid, 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 it says, I need, I need, I need. And you can only hold on so long from that deprivation. The next thing that's going to happen is you will binge. And it is a survival mechanism. So when it talks about, oh, this sugar is the toxin and the poison and the this and that and this is what it does in your body and everything like that, it when it's selling so don't eat this stuff, it's actually perpetuating weight cycling and binge eating. So, I am a nutritionist. I'm not out there saying guzzle soda by the two gallon jug or whatever, right? You know, that is not what this is about. That is not body kindness. You absolutely help people figure out eating patterns that are workable and promote personal health and well being in, in ways that they can afford, right? But this idea that if you restrict people, you're actually setting them up to binge either on all the sugar once they say, fuck it, I can't do it anymore, or something else, some sort of paleo Whole30 version of that thing they couldn't have. And then you blame yourself. Well, I couldn't hack it. I couldn't handle it. And it's really just our biology. So when you ask this question about, well, how do you reconcile intuitive eating and really eating what you want? The number one thing is never, never, never diet again. You've got to let yourself eat this stuff right? And everybody is going to take a very individual approach. I've had clients who've said, Rebecca, if I meal plan with you, I'm, it feels like a diet and I'm going to go rebel against it. So we would need to take some weeks of just no meal planning. We talk about other self-care things, but we wouldn't talk about food. And because that person just sort of needed like, let me do whatever I want, you know? And and part of intuitive eating is about honoring your health with gentle nutrition, but they give it as the last principle because if you do honor your health with nutrition and you're in diet land, guess what? You're doing Whole30 again. I I think what you're saying makes total sense, but I'm also thinking about all the people in my
1: life that struggle with eating disorders and have Mm -hmm. eating disorders and how like their dream way of eating is like very bad, both in terms of deprivation and in terms of binging. Mm -hmm. And so like how... Like, is that, like, a separate category? And if you know you're a person with an eating disorder, then um, this kind of method doesn't work for you? Or, like, I, I don't know. I just don't want to yeah. encourage, like, the people I love in my life who identify as overeaters um, and who, like, feel like they can't control themselves around food or can only control themselves. Like, how do they take what you're saying into account?
0: Yeah. So when the I, first thing when that When I, would, I hear it, it's, it's not so much, like— It's not just about the food. Um, and the mm-hmm. eating disorder, because I hear you saying that it's like, well, it's overall body health and wellness, and that includes like mind, body, spirit. And so if you are on this journey, you're also considering the sociopolitical factors. You're also considering the emotional health. You're also considering uh, the way that, you know, culture and, and everything is impacting you. And so if you're mm-hmm. being connected and aware and mindful of that and the decisions um, that that's intuitive eating. It's not just like my body is saying this, so I'm going to do it.
2: Yeah, and, and mm. it is it is also that, you know, it, healing from an eating disorder is an individual process and journey. So we, we know that um, eating disorders, by and large, start out as diets. So again, if we could do more to stop diet culture from thriving and making billions of dollars a year we are working to eradicate eating disorders right um but with your question like that is the kind of thing that you would help a person one on one kind of try to get to their best life considering their resources and their eating disorder you know eating disorders are mental health issues and they do kill more people than any other mental health issue. So we need to take them very seriously. I can, I'll can, i be honest, when I was first writing Body Kindness and I work, you know, about half of my clients are clients with eating disorders or a history of, eat, of eating disorders, I remember writing saying, I'm really trying to reach chronic dieting women in like the, you know, 30 to 60 kind of bracket. Like, you know, I'm not really sure if what I'm saying is really going to help people who are in the middle of eating, an eating disorder. And I actually get... So many emails from treatment centers, from people in recovery. I mean, I've seen people just publicly share on Instagram that body kindness was actually the latch that kind of helped them do non-eating disorder behaviors because they felt like that they could kind of envision that there was a view of health that wasn't um that wasn't about control anymore that was about kind of preferences and experience and things and and even clients with significant trauma histories have said like i've literally read the book five times and each time have gone have had just a different thing happening in my life with my eating disorder recovery and my trauma and there was something else i've been able to glean out of it you know um but like say you have a cousin or something who says I can't eat any sugar because if I do, I lose all self-control and it's an eating disorder issue. Like, I'm not going to say to your cousin what a better life is or isn't. Body kindness is about individuals get to choose what a better life is. So I would trust that your cousin Mm. has a good supportive care team that helps them make personally meaningful choices. But I would say that science shows that that restriction is eventually going to lead to some sort of fallout. So is it is it really what that person has found the farthest they could get in their recovery is no sugar whatsoever? Or is that where they're at at a point on their journey and their care team is helping them figure things out? I don't know if that makes sense, but.
0: Yeah, the struggle that I've had with, with clients with that is how to convince folks to kind of, that this works and to stick with it. Because um, it seems like, even though like if we look at the longevity of diets or yo-yo dieting and, and, or binging mm-hmm. or purging or things like that, that maybe those work in the short term. Um, like you see a difference faster if you take a diet pill or if you, you know, limit yourself or if you mm-hmm. throw up, that you see it faster, but it doesn't work long-term. Um, so I guess I wonder how we convince folks to, to stick it out and to know that this may help long-term and help it be long-lasting and increase the the longevity of this different kind of way of being.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's what it is. It, it is a different kind of way of being. And if someone's at that, I'm just getting started and I feel pretty hopeless that this is going to work for me or that I would ever be happy or with my appearance, um, what I would say to them is, I would say, it's okay. And I would say, it is okay to be right there, right now. And I would ask them to stop and think that if anything that they've ever done was going to work for them, you know, because people go back, oh, but back when I did Weight Watchers like four years ago, right before my wedding, that worked. But it didn't because you're here now, right? And so it's like, if you can go back and you know that none of that stuff worked long term, and then stop and think about like, don't even think about yourself for a minute. Like, think about somebody you really care deeply about. This could be a best friend. This could be like a niece or nephew even. Like this could even be your own child, right? You just think about that person and say, if I were to give that person love and compassion about being good to yourself, right? Would I say, here you go, do Whole30? You know, would I say, let's do Weight Watchers, you know? You're going to know right away. Oh hell no. I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And all I'm asking is if you can see that difference that you can find someone you care deeply about. Think about what you how you would encourage them and 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 start mm-hmm. there, you know? So, cuz that's how you know. It's like sometimes we have to find the strength to do something for ourselves by like taking the emotion of our own pain out of it like for a second and just connect mm-hmm. to like, I would never tell my best friend to do these harmful things that I do to myself. I wouldn't speak to my best friend the way I speak to myself in my mind. And by the way, the way you talk to yourself, that inner critic, that was cultivated by culture starting at the age of one. So don't blame yourself for how you talk to yourself. Blame the freaking yeah. culture and say no. And it, But think of how you would talk to a friend. You would, We naturally have compassion and inner caregiving and body kindness abilities but it's just a soft and quiet voice and we need to let it, let it shine. And you're not gonna have the answers day one, but like agree that you're not gonna diet and agree to start something else. And just the more you, it's like if you keep yourself focused on, this is about compassion, like literally hands on heart, I love you, I want to be good to you. What is the next self-care choice? That's all you need to know today, the next self-care choice. And, and and that is success. And that is working. Your brain is learning and growing. And like you said, like a new way of being, you, you imagine yourself, you start to evolve. And one month from now does not feel like today. And six months from now mm-hmm. doesn't feel like one month. And it will take time, but you will see it working. And your sort of loneliness, that isolation of, but my friends are dieting and, you know, but, but, you know, You'll you'll feel less pulled into that because you'll know from experience how much better life is when you treat yourself differently.
0: Mm-hmm. People seem to conflate body kindness with laziness. <laughs> well, that is the inner critic right there. Oh my god, Rebecca, that's
1: fucking amazing. I like all of this stuff is amazing, and I'm like half happy that it was so great and also half sad because we like talked about zero sex and like that's where my (laughs) brain always goes. Um, So uh, will you please come back another
2: time? Oh yeah, I'd love to. And And there is a little bit of sex in the Body Kindness book. So there's, I've got some sex stories with my husband. Um, We went to a sex toy shop. I share that story and why. And there's little um, spiral up activities that involve like seven days of self-love. So um, there's a little bit of that if in the by book. If self-love,
1: you mean related. masturbation. I'm very good <laughs> at that. Um, okay so we will definitely have you back listeners if you have any questions for like the intersection between body kindness and sexuality sex positivity um, obviously you can email us at slutsandscholars at gmail.com you can dm us on instagram at slutsandscholars or you can find us on twitter at sluts scholars but Rebecca how can all of our listeners find you
2: check out bodykindnessbook.com and there you'll see all my social handles and you'll also get that free um, mini e-course if you wanted to start there Um, you'll get invited there so there's a page called get started that you can click from there Um, and yeah I would love to um, connect with the listeners amazing thank you so
1: much for joining us Um, it's been a blast fuck your resolutions
0: (laughs) yeah